Hey everyone, welcome to Season 4, Episode 1 of Musicians for Mental Health. On this podcast, we speak with musicians about mental health openly and honestly without the veil of lyrics. We are not mental health professionals, we are not licensed therapists or counselors, we're just people that have had our own personal experiences with mental health and want to shed a light on these things. In this episode, I have an incredible conversation with Luke Middleton. Um, Can't thank Luke enough for sharing his story and being as open as he was. Luke is a singer-songwriter, 22 years old, you know, so the whole world in front of him and a whole life behind him, I think is the way that I want to put that because... uh, you know, life isn't always easy for any of us, and Luke definitely has experienced his fair share of battles and traumas and just life experiences. Um, and then this episode, he shares that story. He tells us about some traumatic brain injuries, um, depression, being really mentally berated uh, during his time in the service. Um, even talking about his suicide attempts. Um, I can't thank him enough for, for sharing those stories with me and with all of you. So I do want you guys to be aware of those, those topics because they may be triggering for some of you. Uh, Luke speaks very directly about some of this. And, um, so I say that to say, listen with caution, uh, but Luke also has a new EP dropping the same day as this podcast, actually. So Friday, March 1st, definitely want you guys to go check that out as well. But for now, let's hear the stories that led to this EP. Um, This is my conversation with Luke Middleton. Yeah, absolutely. So the the starting question is the same boring-ass question every time. Simple introduction, man. Who are you? What what are we here talking about? Uh, My name's Luke. Um, I'm... 22 years old from Florida. Uh, we're here talking about my debut EP coming out this Friday. It's called Nothing Ever After. Awesome, man. So um, for people that aren't familiar with you, you're fresh to the scene in a sense, right? Like music's yeah. obviously always been in, in your blood and it's now taking this formation of instead of just absorbing music, creating it. What's it been like making that transition for you where you know, just instead of consuming product, it's now this creation process as a release. Yeah, man. And I, I really think that honestly, where, where it comes from creatively is just, it's, it's having to me, music is therapy, you know, before I would listen to music and you, when you listen to music, you feel different types of emotions, right? It's just Mm -hmm. because of the vibrations and the frequencies that it puts out. So that's why you listen to a sad song and you want to cry. You listen to a a fun, happy song and it just makes you full of energy. Well, for me, I found myself on the sad side of music and just falling in love with all that. So I think really where it came down to it is I stopped caring what other people thought or would think um, of what if I tried to do this. And so when I got to the point where it was kind of like a life or death situation, like I got to do this 
or I don't think I'm going to make it later down the line. Like I need to have something to fill the void in my heart because nothing's working. And uh, so I just did it, man. My The story of how I started is kind of funny. I didn't have anything. I had no guidance. I just knew I wanted to do it so bad and I did it. And I think when I finally did it, something sparked and um, it definitely changed my life. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the the thing, right? Like I, I'm a sad boy as well, right? I'm 38 years old, but the sad, you know, pop punks and stuff like that has kind of always been in my blood. And I think, you know, the, the story that connects a lot of us that tend to connect with the um, more emotional, the more emo type music is that we've all been there, right? We go through these lows and we find a song um, or an artist that is saying everything that we feel like we can't say. And I think for you, you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think that's something too, where like you obviously had that, but not, specifically enough to your situation which is where the creation process came for you right like hey this is my personal story that i don't really see reflected everywhere yeah yeah so for you uh let's talk a little bit about the mental health journey leading into um obviously the the creation process so like as you sit here today looking back can you kind of pinpoint where your mental health journey really started and and those you know that recognition of hey maybe i'm not quite as okay as people think i am man forgive me if i get a little emotional um my i i personally i mean my entire life i've always kind of had um a side of me that you know uh, i was i always felt different and stood out in a way um, I was more on the sensitive side, um, which which is crazy to me because I played high school football. You know, I was a middle linebacker. Every, everybody knew me for for hitting people. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, having that sensitive side of myself and I, and I do believe I get that from my dad, you know, you know, and that that's that's an OK thing. Like, that's not a bad yeah. thing. But um, I lost my grandmother in 2019 um, to cancer. So I feel like that moment, um, kind of started something inside of me that, you know, I blamed myself in a sense, cause I, I didn't get to tell her goodbye. And, yeah. um, I made the selfish decision of not doing so. So, you know, everybody loses somebody in their life. And, and if you have lost somebody in your life, you know, how it feels to sit there and um, look at somebody laying in a hospital bed lifeless when yesterday or the day before they were, you know, they were there and alive. So um, after that, I I was in, I was a junior in high school and um, my junior senior year, I graduated as a junior. So my junior year, I went downhill um, a lot just kind of dealing with my family and my mom and my dad. And I I was a degenerate, not going to lie. <laughs> so I was always getting in fights. My dad coached me high school football. He's been a college coach for, you know, 25, 20 something years since I was born. And um, 
our relationship started going downhill and uh, we were, we were, we were getting after it on the field. Um, Gibbs getting kicked out of practice. I just, you know, I didn't give a crap. Yeah. I, I didn't care anymore. And so, um, got to the point where I was like, I don't even know if I even want to do, I, I don't even know if I want to do this anymore. And so that's a shocking thing because I grew up as a college coach's son. I grew up in the locker room. I grew up on the sidelines. Like it's always been a dream of mine to play college football, but I got to the point where I just didn't care about anything anymore. And, uh, my last, my last football game, um, nine minutes left in the fourth quarter, I hit a kid helmet to helmet. I went out, uh, unresponsive, unconscious. Uh, my body went completely like limp, um, paralyzed for a second there. And I had a traumatic brain injury. Um, so from the things that I've, I've heard from that night is everybody thought I was dead right there. You know, it's one of those situations where you get hit the wrong way and you just, it messes up your, 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 your back or your spine, your neck or anything. You, that's just, it's a freak accident. Um, so, um, I ended up suffering from a traumatic brain injury, um, that night. And unfortunately, because of that, the doctors told me I'd never be able to play football again. And as a junior, senior in high school, you know, that's no, no, no kid wants to have the, have that, you know, especially right. with how you've lived your life and how it's been a part of you for so long. Um, so kind of after that, man, I was so defiant. I treated my family and my parents like crap. Um, I didn't care anymore. I got to the point where I started hanging out with the wrong people. I had nothing, man. I had nothing to lose. You know, I lost football. I lost my grandmother. I was so selfish to the point where I just said, you know, forget my family. Like, I'm pissed at the world, pissed off at the world. And, you know, that's not fair. But as a as somebody who's immature in the in the mind and thinks they know everything in life, such a young age, it's it's kind of inevitable for that to happen. So right. um I just started hanging out with the wrong crowd, you know, started smoking um a lot of weed, um, drinking a lot, ended up moving out of my mom's house, you know, kind of said, deuces, I can do this, watch me do it on my own. And I mean I did for a little for a little yeah, bit, right. but <laughs> I did it for a little bit. I thought I was big balling. Um, you know, I just got into some really bad stuff. And um, you know, for for the sake my mom ever sees this, I don't wanna, you know, go into details about that because you know, yeah, there's no some things there's some things, you know, um to be said and not to be said, but I got into some really bad stuff and uh it, it changed me as a person and I felt myself falling into a cloud of smoke, I would say, because I felt like I couldn't breathe. And um, I used all of these things, I used smoking and drinking and the other things that I was doing as a coping method because I was tired of feeling numb. Well, that obviously made me feel something, right? Right. So um, the more I, I leaned into that COVID hit, you think I cared about COVID? You think I was worried about COVID? No, man, I was going to parties. I was going out every night, every weekend. Um, you know, the person I was with at the time, we ended up, you know, splitting. And, uh, you know, obviously that sucked, but I didn't care because I had 
you know, I had my other coping methods. And um, I remember it was in May of 20, uh, May 28th of 2020, right before I you know, graduated high school. I got into a car accident and uh, pretty much, I pretty much lost my life to it. I got airlifted on life support, had an incubator inside of me. And um, I, I was, I was high. I'd been drinking stuff like that. So uh, I was in a coma and I was unresponsive from another traumatic brain injury, which at that time was my third and my final. Yeah. So, um, yeah, my mom and my I, at this point, I hadn't talked to my parents. I mean, you know, I talked to them every now and then, but I, I completely was just like, I, I, it makes me sick thinking about how I treated my, my parents. But at that time of my life, I was, um, I, I was gone, man. So, um, my, my parents, my mom found out that I had been airlifted in a coma on life support because two cops showed up at my mom's house that night after like hours after the incident. And, uh, my dad found out and he, the way that I, I think I remember him, I don't know. Somebody told me my dad got in the car and drove to the hospital and pulled over on the side of the interstate because he thought I was dead. Like he couldn't drive. So at this point, you know, I got all these people worried about me. Nobody knows where I'm at. Everybody thinks I'm dead again. Um, this time I basically was, um, had no brain activity for a little bit. So, um, but, and, but, but, by the grace of God, man, and I'm a Christian, so is it okay if I speak about yeah, that? Absolutely. Okay. Um, by the grace of God, I I woke up, and um, I I was fine. I had no scratches, um, no brain contusions, nothing, and that's that's weird, right? Does that does that yeah. sound weird? Um, yeah. Especially after everything that I went through. So it's kind of like, I believe that God was giving me a second chance and that second chance was to better my life. And I really, I really, really, really took that as a life learning lesson because I did make some mistakes that were involved within that accident. Um, that kind of changed my life a little bit, but I needed to get out. Couldn't play football anymore. What was I going to do, man? What am I going to do with right. my life? I'm not going to college. You know, if I'm not going to college if I can't play college football. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not going to college if I can't do track and field. So, like, athletics was out of the picture. I hate school. <laughs> what am I going to do to prove to my parents or to prove that I'm sorry for the things that I put my family through and I love you? What can I do to prove that to you? I decided to join the infantry. No greater love than this. I laid on his life for his friends. So, I mean, I wanted to be frontline. Um, I wanted to do all the the cool army shit that, you know, they. You see it in advertise. movies and commercials. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, and I also had a friend of mine that was in the infantry too. He kind of was like, you got to do it, bro. So I did. Um, and I left for, you know, basic training, went through that whole 34 week OSUD infantry training at Fort Benning. God, those are some crazy days, man. <laughs> I did some crazy stuff, bro. Um, well, I got to New York. Um, not to go into details too much of that. Um, it's very, very personal and kind of triggering, yeah. but I got, I was in a, I was in a very toxic 
relationship with somebody. Very toxic to the point where it drove me crazy. Um, mentally tackled me, physically whooped me. I'm just talking about all the way around, just rock bottom. Yeah. And uh, my work, my work life in the military became a part of my personal life. My personal life became part of my work life. At this point, I got two different people, my work and then my, you know, my relationship over here. They're just bashing me back and forth and I uh, hit a wall. And so I attempted overdose on some uh, hydroxyzine pills that I was taking at the time. And I was in and out of the, the hospital due to um, my depression and anxiety. So I dealt with that in the military so hard because I got to the point where I was legitimately with a with the toxic leadership that I had I had people telling me I should kill myself in the army people that I worked with people that I served with not giving an absolute fuck about me man yeah like what does that you got you really you got a relationship that's 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 absolutely going to shit you got your everybody that you work with telling you to do this to yourself I mean what what sense of purpose does that give? Yeah, for sure. What sense of worth? So, um, that, that ended up being a time in my life where I wanted to do it so bad because there was no ounce of me that felt like I was worth it. I had nothing at this point. Um, I was 1,400 miles away from my family, my mom. I couldn't see them. Yeah, I could call them and talk to them, but right. it's not the same not when the you're same. when you're. It's not the same when you're when you're alone. You know, yeah. you literally have nobody. Everybody that's in your life is 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 against you. Um, just because she said he said um, goes around, and you don't really have anybody real in your life. I had a couple real friends that were were really there for me, but. Um, when it came to to the, my time in the service, um, it went from me being a really great soldier to doing all these really cool things to me being the worst fucking soldier that my leadership had ever seen, that I was just this absolute terrible fucking person. So it went from, Luke, you're, you're a really good soldier. Like, you're awesome, too. We're going to bully the shit out of you, and we're going to haze you, and we're going to drive you into the dirt like like you are. So they really pushed me through the dirt. And um, it's crazy because through all of this, I've always had music part of my life. Um, and it's always been, it's always fulfilled me in, in some ways, but I've always been, mm -hmm. I've never had the, the, the guts to just do it. Like I, I've played guitar and piano my entire life. I'm self-taught. I can do it by ear. But when it came to singing, I was so scared, man. I can't even sing in front yeah. of my mom. I can't do it right now. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like um, one day I got home from work and I was done. I, I, I was over it. Had an anxiety attack. I was done. I was about to I was about to do it. Um, and I was on TikTok. And it's crazy. TikTok, man. Social media. <laughs> I hate it. But uh <laughs> Um, I came across necessary evil for us, right? Yeah, no, for sure, man. And I came across, <laughs> uh, I came, I was sitting on my couch, just kind of just sitting back like this and, uh, tell me about tomorrow came on and, uh, that song by Jaden Hostler. Yeah. What does that song really talk about, man? Like 
come on, like, tell me what tomorrow holds for you. And uh, it saved my life. So yeah. that was the moment that I felt like God told me, like, hey, everything that you're going through is happening for a reason. And it's okay. But I want yeah. you to take what I've put you through. And I want you to turn it into a, a story, a testimony. So um, I immediately after that, like, it's like a lightning struck my heart, man. Like I just threw my veins like ecstasy, <laughs> just like this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I, if this, if this song and these lyrics can, if somebody's story can make me feel so much hope, yeah, that's what I want to do for other people. So um, from that moment on, man, I had no car, had no money, I had no direction, absolutely nothing, dude. I scrapped up. I scrapped up pennies, man. I rented a car from Enterprise. I drove an hour to the freaking Syracuse, New York. Spent every... I was living off Vienna sausages, man. I spent everything <laughs> I had in recording my first song, Anxiety, which I wrote five minutes after I saw that, you know, heard that song. And uh, from that moment, I just... That's when my music career started. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's an incredible story, Luke. And I think, you know, there's several things I want to touch on. Um, you know, A, I'm a attempt survivor myself, so I can definitely relate to you there. Um, I've had the the near death experience outside of the, the attempt as well. And I think the, the first thing I want to touch on for people, you know, is, is that uh, the football story that you tell about, you know, the helmet to helmet collision because you know you made the comment that it it's a freak accident i don't think people understand just how freak accident that stuff really is i mean the example that came to mind when you said it was uh damar hamlin this last year you know yep. just that hit was at just the right split second to stop his heart and that's all it took like if he would have been hit an inch lower an inch higher a second later he would have got up and you know, made that next play, it would have been nothing. But to your point, you know, everything kind of happens for a reason. Um, talk a little bit about, especially at that young of an age, you know, being still a junior in high school and being told, hey, you've now had a, a concussion, you've had traumatic brain injury. What does that do to your psyche as you're, even before you're told, like, you're not going to play football anymore, just knowing that you've injured yeah. your brain? So when I was in eighth grade, that was my first time getting airlifted due to a football accident. During practice, I was an eighth grader starting varsity in a little tiny school with like a graduating class of 20 people, man. Like we were 11, man. Yeah. But we were a tiny <laughs> Mississippi associated school, um, very small, private. And uh, as an eighth grader starting varsity, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't let nobody beat on me. So yeah. if I was going to hit you, I'm going to hit you with literally everything I have. I don't care if it knocks me out or not. I'm, I'm here to prove a point kind of deal. So, right. And everybody knew that about <laughs> me. So um, in eighth grade, same thing happened. I hit a kid going straight into the hole. And I got airlifted to freaking Jackson, Mississippi. Um, crazy concussion there. Um, but from that moment till my second, which was my last um, game, I had concussions every now and then, man. I was getting knocked around, beat up. Um, I really got my shit rocks a couple times. 
And mainly it's because I like to lead with my head and that's my fault, but I kind of use this as a weapon rather than a right. face it's a battering up. ram, right? Battering yeah, exactly. Ram. <laughs> exactly. No kidding. And I don't care who you are. I don't care if you got the ball. I don't care if you're like on the sideline. Right. As soon as my eyes lock on with you, I was going to hit you. <laughs> I, like, I don't care about the ball. I don't care about the ball. I just want to hit something. And I feel like that had a lot to do with some like anger that I had built up as well. Cause like during that time of my life, football was my coping method. Football was what I used to um, overcome the, the things that I struggled with. Football was, was a part of me and football allowed me to take my anger out on a lot of people. So um, it was um, knowing that, you you grow up and you have dreams of playing and it's literally in your in your blood it's your destiny and believing that because your dad did it you know your grandpa yeah. did it your brother's doing it um having that taken away from you is just like rip my heart out you know yeah. um take everything that i've ever known and just throw it away so as a junior going through that it's like what now um what now and uh man that night i had so many people there for me it was crazy um everybody and i i it's unexplainable the amount of love and support i had after that game cuz it really uh it really it really showed me that i was loved and cared for um and for some reason, after my accident, I saw rap past it because um, obviously I was selfish. So, um, after you know, that accident, when it comes to to that concussion mentally um, to this day, I, I believe a lot of my mental health has to do with the amount of concussions that I've had. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not it's not proven, but I mean, you can't you can't sit here and tell me that there's no chemical imbalance that I went right. through um, because of the amount of head injuries I've had. So, yeah. Yeah. See, and I I think that's, that's one of those things. I know there's a ton of um, CTE research going on and it is slowly starting to, to make some connections to mental health as well. Um, But I think you're right. Like, even if they, they say, Hey, we can't strictly define how it affects you. There's no denying that the swelling in your brain after taking a hit like that doesn't change how your brain reacts to certain things and potential scar tissue, things like that from, from those, uh, those injuries. Um, you know, you mentioned to the, the car accident. So I was lifelined, um, with COVID three years ago. So same thing, you know, I, I can't explain any of it, uh, in the sense that, uh, long story, very, very short, basically, I woke up short of breath one day. Uh, I had been sick, but I thought it was just like a flu or whatever, you know, Um, woke up short of breath, had a buddy come check on me with a, one of the finger pulse oximeter things. And uh, it was reading 47%. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We were like, "Mm, that's probably not a great thing, man. Like let's, let's get you to the hospital. Uh, So I'm awake alert, talking to him the whole time. And we pull up to the ER doors and that, that uh, reader said 5%. 
So I got out of his car. I walked in under my own power at 5% oxygen in my blood and checked myself into the hospital. Um, shortly thereafter, after they set me down in the, the wheelchair and pushed me back to the ER, I was out. I don't remember anything for about 18 days after that. Um, I was in a medically induced coma. I had ECMO. I had a ventilator. I was on a trach, the whole nine yards, right? Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't, I've done a lot of research about it because I can't explain a lot of the things I feel like I experienced during that time. And I'm sure you're yeah. the same, like in that coma, you're kind of aware, but you're not aware and you're not no, sure what not was real and what is, you know? And so like, I've done a lot of research on that. And a lot of it has to do, obviously they say with some of the drugs that they put you on for painkillers and stuff like that messes with it all. I was on micro doses of fentanyl. They had me on ketamine. Like I was on top tier shit. Right. So yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, I couldn't tell you what's real and what's not, but what I wanted to ask you about is, you know, that, that moment when you wake up in the hospital bed after the accident, talk a little bit about that. Cause I know for me, it, it was disorienting to some extent. I knew I had went into a hospital, but like, again, I'd lost 18 days, but that, that wake up was like, what's going on? Like, why am I still here? If, if all this was so wrong, how did I get through this? Yeah. Um, it's funny now. Cause at the time I had no idea what was going on. Yeah. I was just as confused as I, I man, I don't like it's hard to explain it, but looking back, it's from all the videos I, I got from that night of us partying and and it's just kind of like, damn, I was literally having the time of my life, like no kidding. Yeah. Like I was literally living like it was my last night. And that's yeah. that's scary to think about. But at the same time, I'm the type of person who has always learned the hard way. And unfortunately for me. I did learn the hard way, but waking up, first of all, the the first thing that I remember waking up was what the what the hell is in my mouth right now? Like yeah. I had that trait going on, man. I, I kept I, trying I, to pull mine out. <laughs> I'm like, you know, gagging on it, yeah. choking on it, like, get this shit out of me, man. Like, what what is going on? Like, is this like am I pinch me, bro? Like, what? Right. <laughs> like, where the hell am I at? So it's just kind of like I fought that thing, man. I they had to like strap me down to the bed. I'm mm -hmm. sitting there like trying to get this thing out of me. It's painful. Yeah. And then you know when they when they take it out of you, it feels like you got this gigantic hole in yep. your in your chest. And you're like, what the hell? Um, but I'm fighting it because for one, I'm 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 out completely out of it. I don't know what's going on. And uh I remember the nurse handing me my phone and it was my mom. on FaceTime and, and she was crying just like man she's just losing it on the phone with me and I and I'm sitting there like I don't know what's going on I'm scared you know I, I don't know what, what what's happening I don't know I don't know anything and um COVID sucked because obviously I couldn't see my mom mm -hmm. you know she couldn't come to the hospital so I'm I'm in the hospital by myself and I got doctors running everywhere. Like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Where am I at? Like, yeah. I don't even know where I'm at. 
Yeah. Like one moment, it, one minute it was black, and now I'm just like in this, like <laughs> going on crazy. Um, but I do remember one thing, and it and it blows my mind to think about. And um, for someone who has a hard time believing in the existence of God and faith, I think this is something to prove. But I was in. So my last day in the hospital, I got put in the hospital with this veteran, this infantry vet who had gotten, he got blown up, man. He was, he was pretty rough, but it was, it was my bed here. And he was laying next to me and I'm like 19, 18, no, I'm 18 years old. No, I am 18 years old. And, um, I'm laying next to this 40 year old man and it's kind of uncomfortable because like, you know, he just don't give a crap. He's a grunt, man. He's uh, right. shirts off, tatted all up, just loud. And just I'm over there like a little skinny, little 18 year old kid next to a grown ass man. I don't even know. And uh, I got to talking to him a little bit and um, got to hear a little bit of his story. And I was like, so what do you do, man? And this is before I ever thought about joining the military. God put it on my heart. And I was like, I think I want to do that. Well, come to find out, little did I know that's that's that thought, that impulsive thought actually turned into a really big point in my life. Yeah. So uh, my experience in the hospital and, and and another thing I do remember is. I don't remember the accident happening, but I remember being asleep. I, I remember being I wasn't awake, um, but I, I, I could hear the helicopter Mm-hmm. And I could, and I don't know, like you said, if it was the um, the drugs I was on or anything that they were giving me, but if I, I I was in this this space of darkness, and I saw all these different color lights flying around, like they were souls going different places. Yeah. That's how I see it. That's how I imagine it. But it was scary as shit. And then I woke up like a couple of days later. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man, it's nuts. There's a a really cool, I think it's still on Netflix. It, it's this little mini series called Surviving Death. Um, so while I was in the hospital, I had a nurse one night that asked me if I had seen it. And I was like, no, you know, and she's like, look, you've got your laptop, like, you should watch this because it's all about near death experiences and what people have seen and all this. And the very first episode is talking about a near death experience. And like, not necessarily going to heaven or, you know, whatever people believe in after that, but like, kind of like what you're saying, the, the feeling that there's other people here around me, but I'm not in my body right now, you know, like, and that was something that I, I experienced too, was like, you know, this weird, weird spot of like, I was, aware of things happening like you said i could hear stuff or i think i could hear stuff i don't know if it was real or not but i i thought that i could hear stuff i thought i could hear people talking um and like for mine it was just some of the most vibrant colors i've ever seen you know what i mean like it was it was total darkness until i in my mind was opening my eyes and looking around and it was like just these super bright, vibrant, like yellows and pinks and purples and blues and all sorts of shit. And then, you know, sometime later, I truly woke up 
and was in the hospital and i'm like yeah what the fuck is going on like where am i what is happening man yeah um and you know i can't say enough i'm sure you're the same i can't say enough about the nursing staff and the doctors and and especially in that time when like i was in the hospital 47 days my sister couldn't even come see me until day like 26 you know so she's only getting information via phone i'm only able to talk to her after I woke up, you know, 20 days later via the phone. And it's those people, the healthcare workers do not get enough credit for the level of care that they give people of in those situations, you know? And, um, you know, I, I was obviously considerably older than you, but like, I, I'm not ashamed to say at 30, I would have been 34 technically when that happened. Um, you know, going on 35, it's probably the most scared I've ever been in my fucking life to wake up in a hospital bed and not yeah. know what was going on. Staring death in the face is no joke, man. And it's like one of those things you gotta, you gotta really experience to know how it feels. It's like one minute you can be full of life and the next you're done. Like you never know what could happen in the next 30 minutes. So that is very, very scary. Yeah. Um, something else I want to touch on that, that was part of your story is, is your attempt, right? So I think, you know, I unfortunately lost my brother to his attempt. Um, and it, it was weird for me. Like I've lost people to suicide before. I'm sure you have as well. You know, it's yep. unfortunately a common, common enough occurrence that you either know somebody or you know somebody that knows somebody, right? And the thing that was really fucked up for me with losing my brother was the amount of family members that are, you know, oh, I can't believe he, he would be so selfish that he would do that, whatever. And I'm like, but I don't think it's a selfishness thing, right? Like as an attempt survivor myself, you as well, like it wasn't ever about me taking away the pain for me. It was about me wanting to get rid of the pain for the people that I was around. You know, I didn't want my family to be burdened by me anymore. I believe that's what my brother was. I feel I don't condone or justify it by any means, obviously, but no, of course, no. I feel like when you build up to that point where that decision's made that I'm going to make this attempt, it's, it's actually a selfless act, right? Like I'm doing this for the people around me so that they don't have to deal with the shit that I'm de dealing with. Talk a little bit about like what, goes into that for you as well like making that decision and then coming out the other side of it and going you know that was fucking stupid i there's another way for me to move on yeah i had a couple um incidences and one um yeah so i had, I had a couple of those instances especially in the time i was in the military that's that's where all my attempts came from was my time in the service just because of the total darkness I was in at the mm -hmm. time. Um, when for me, it was my, my brain, you don't, you just don't think, you don't think about anything. You just get so sick and tired and fed up of all the bullshit in your life. And you're like, you wake up depressed, you go to sleep depressed, you go to work depressed, you can't get out of bed, you don't feel like showering, you don't change your clothes, your your house is dirty as fuck, you don't want to eat, you're anorexic now, you're, 
Like you just don't give a fuck about life anymore. And the only yeah. thing that's that's keeping yourself alive is the fact that you're breathing air and you don't really care about that either. So um I had many I, my most impulsive decision was was overdosing and attempting to overdose because I did it. I was like, fuck it. Did it, instantly regretted it, got in my car, it drove myself to the hospital. Yeah. Like that's that's scary. Um second time, um I <coughs> second time I tried to do it, I called the cops on myself. Like, I'm about to do this. If somebody doesn't come fucking get me, nobody's gonna hear from me anymore. And so they showed up to my house. Uh, military police did. Um, took me off post to the hospital and locked me up in the fucking psych. Um, they didn't want to fucking be there. But I, I didn't take advantage of what they offered me while I was in. I was like, mm -hmm. fuck did I do this for? Like, what the fuck am I doing here? Um, third time um, that I, I tried to do it. Um, tried to overdose again. I didn't, I didn't have anything, man. I, I I didn't fucking have anything to do it with. I'm not going to sit there and make a mess. If I was going to do it, I just wanted to just, you know, I wanted to just go to sleep and not wake yeah. up. Um, I never got, I never cut myself. I never got into any of that. I just, I wanted to go to sleep and never wake up. So I, I was, this is my third time. This is right before Christmas of 2021. And I, I called my, who did I call? I called somebody because I admitted myself into the hospital because at this point I was so scared for my own, for my own life. I like, I was so scared that I wanted, if I didn't do that, if I didn't get the help that I needed, I was going to be done. So, um, yeah. So I admitted myself and I stayed in there until I felt like I was okay to come out and, uh, in there I took advantage of everything that they offered me. And it's crazy too, because when I got out, I, I had to sit down with my commander and he was like, hey man, like you're going through a lot, bro. Like you need to be home with your family. Like, duh. Right. They tried to tell me I couldn't go home for Christmas and be with my family because I'm going through all this shit. Like, you think I want to fucking be here? Like, let me, right. let me go be with my family. So it took me going through all that just for them to be like, yeah, man, I need to go see your family. Yeah, no fucking shit. Like, they just, they, they treated me like they crap, man. So, yeah. I mean, that moment where I was on top of the world again and getting to be with my family, it, it was a part of me that I felt like I was alive again and that I was, it, it gave me hope. And so I got back to New York, fucking went right back through it again. And, um, you know tried again i kept trying but every time i did i failed so i think it got to the point where i realized like maybe somebody's got to be telling me something now uh, who is telling me something and for me um it got to the point where i was like god what are you what are you trying to tell me like what why am i here what is my purpose why do you keep putting me through all of these things you know i keep praying for change but in all honestly the whole time i should have been praying for him to change me so that I could handle the situations he was putting me through because damn, I really needed that. So, um, looking back at those times, 
I got really addicted to my medications that I was put on. The military put me on some high doses of some crazy shit. Um, so one of my favorite was hydroxyzine. <laughs> I was on a really, really high dose of hydroxyzine. And I would take like four or five at a time. And I would go to sleep for hours and hours. And like, I'm talking about like dead, but alive. Right. Yeah. They knock me out cold. Um, and I got addicted to that because I was in, I was an insomniac. I never slept. I couldn't sleep. So I'd have my freaking NCOs banging on my door in the middle of the day. Like, why isn't this dude showing up to work? Like, where's he at? And I'm just sitting there right. just conked out in my freaking bed and my OCP is just sleeping. And, uh, I liked it. I liked the feeling of, of being like, I like that high feeling. And, um, I got into some other stuff as well. Some friends of some friends passed along some of their medications and I got hooked on those. And one thing led to another, I started mixing them and they started making me feel like I was on top of the world. And I liked that shit. So I ended up getting put in a substance class, um, substance abuse class because my my uh, CEO found out and I took anger management classes, stress classes and got put through all these different programs. But looking back, I'm glad I went through it because um, I got it tatted on my arm, but it says I'm thankful for my struggles because without it, I wouldn't have found my strength. And I think that's really important to look back on because you you really don't know how strong you are you it's hard to live this life it's hard to do yeah. this life because life is not made to be easy and you don't you don't understand how much strength you have just by waking up in the morning and say hey i'm gonna get out of this bed and i'm gonna go brush my teeth i'm gonna go i'm gonna go to work yeah and you have no you have no idea how much strength you have when you just wake up and say hey you know i'm not feeling it today but i'm just gonna lay here you're, you're doing something you're not giving up right. um but again, I do believe, like you said, man, it's 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 a it's a mental disorder. It's not something to take lightly. And, you know, do I believe it's a selfish thing? At the time, no. And still I don't, because I know after going through it what it feels like. But at the same time, in those moments, it doesn't feel like you have anybody. It doesn't feel like you have anything. But in reality, you do. You know, if you don't have anybody, you have yourself. And and that's a lot because that's something, that's someone. You know, you are somebody. Um, and for me, I look back and I'm like, I did have people. Even though they weren't there, I had my mom. I had my my brothers, my dad. Like, And I look back at, like, what would... What would I have been? Who would have people just who would have people know knew me for? Right. Just the which, kid that that which the kid version that of me himself. do they remember? Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. What, which version? Like, and it and it got to the point where I, I, I want I want to if I'm gonna live this life and if I'm gonna go through all the suck and all the hell, my end goal is just to be known for for somebody that 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 made it. Right. You know, uh, especially when it comes to mental health, because um, I got PTSD, I got BPD, I'm bipolar, too, man. I got I got it all. So it's just like. If I can do it. You can, too. 
and 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 I I want I want to I want to be that inspiration the same way that somebody else was for me. Yeah. And 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 using that when it comes to music is such a powerful thing because holy shit, you didn't like people don't understand how powerful music is, and it's and it's it, you can go I can go so deeply into all the all the scientific facts, all the vibrations and frequencies. I've done my research on that man because yeah. like I want to know, and it's just. It's all around the energy it brings and just man, people take that shit for granted. Nobody like people really understand it, but some people just say, Oh, this is a sick beat, bro. Like, let's go to the club. Yeah. Well, and not all artists are doing it necessarily intentionally. They're just doing what feels good. But there really is a lot of science to it. And like if you go down that rabbit hole on YouTube, which I do recommend. You know, everybody go down that rabbit hole because you're going to find videos where literally like I have friends that they don't fuck with EDM music at all. And I'm like, but I do, you know, whether it's got words or not. And they're like, but why? Like, if there's no words, what's the point in the song? And I'm like, like you were just saying, the frequencies and the vibrations convey the emotion. If you can connect with your music on that level to where you let a beat affect how your mind is is cooperating at that moment like it's it unlocks so much potential because now you go on again like youtube and you i need you know good vibrations for whatever right there's videos out there of like tibetan monks there's a reason that they don't sing words and it's just these audible variations to the the vibration it's because all of that affects your body. It affects your energy. Um, I'm a very, very spiritual person as far as that side of stuff, right? Like, yeah, yeah, for sure. For I'm, sure. I wouldn't consider myself religious necessarily, but very spiritual. And like, there's way more shit out there than any of us can comprehend. Yeah. And I think it's all about, you know, the vibes that you get from people. That's a real fucking thing. Yeah. People, no, yeah. People vibrate at different frequencies and, Read if the you room, feel man. bad about it yeah if you feel bad about that person there's a fucking reason you feel bad about that person like cut the ties move on um i want to talk about the the ep nothing ever after man because i think you know this this whole conversation leading up to this point obviously is the driving force behind this ep and getting this this next step of emotion out for you talk a little bit about you know you've you've experienced all this life at such a young age too. Like there are people that are in their seventies that haven't went through what you've went through. Talk about, you know, taking all of that shit and being able to put it into these, you know, five, six songs and saying, this is life. Yeah. So um, it kind of goes back to when I first started, like when I, when I found Music really found me. I I always had it a part of my life, but when I really needed, when I really needed it, it came to me. Like I didn't just find it, you know, and I I do feel like that's a God thing too. Um, In a spiritual moment like that, he knew what I needed at that, at the right time. And um, that was him through music. And then the message of that song was hope. Tell me about tomorrow. So from that, when I say I dove headfirst, man, 
that was my coping method. That was my therapy. Writing lyrics was my therapy. Writing songs and getting these, getting this shit off my chest, that was my therapy. So, you know, whether my music is really dark sometimes or when it comes to me writing songs, it's still therapy to me. So yeah. it's not like, oh, like, let's have a writing session and let's make a really cool song. Like, no. To me, my music is deeper because it's all real and it's all vulnerable and it's all transparent because whatever is up here comes out because that helps me too. Yeah. And so, and so, um, the EP, Nothing Ever After, um, it's about a story about a, a boy who's giving up or someone who's giving up. Um, personally, it's, it's about my, myself and the things that I went through after I got out of the army. Um, I moved down here to Florida in um, twenty in twenty twenty. My mom was like twenty twenty three. I forgot we're in twenty twenty four. Wow, this is crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> twenty twenty three of February, and I had just turned twenty one. I went to San Diego to meet up with um, with one of my best friends, Nathan Domerty. We made some music out there. Um, had a really great time, and. I was so high up here, just high in life, high in music. I was doing some cool shit. And uh, I made the the decision to move down here to Florida to be, you know, closer to my, my girlfriend right now. And um, didn't really know that my military background was going to hit me as hard as it did. it's hard to explain you 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 take somebody who has a whole life who all they have ever known is everything that they've ever done and you take that person and you brainwash them and you take that all away because you are trained in the infantry to kill that is your job you are trained to be on the front line you're trained to you you're going to get killed or you're going to kill it's just plain and simple that's just how it works um you you put somebody in that kind of mindset and that's all they know for an X and Y and Z amount of times, when you get out of the military and you go back to that life, it's not the same. You know, so, um, and they, they, they really bloody up the water, man, and throw you out there. Because, um, like, once you're done, they don't give a fuck, man. They're like, deuces, it's on your, like, and that's what's yep. fucked up about the world. I mean, that's why 22% of veterans, you know, kill themselves, but it's just like, for me, it was, I went through all this at life at such a young age. I come down here to Tallahassee where it's just college students partying, drinking, smoking, drugs, party, party, club, club, bar, bar, chaos, just people flooded. And that shit gave me so much anxiety. And so, it kind of brought, it triggered everything inside of me from what I went through. And, um, I went through it again. I went through it again. And I actually ended up losing myself, trying to find myself in the midst of all that. And so I started drinking again. I started smoking again. And um, I wanted to fit in. I wanted to, it, 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 I wanted, I knew what it felt like to not be sober. And when right. I wasn't sober, I was having fun and I felt like I was something. And so 
now that I'm out of the military and I've gone through things I've gone through, when I go out, I fucking hate my life and I'm scared and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm surrounded by a bunch of people I don't know and I don't know what's going to happen. So I'm always on guard. Like, what's going to happen? You know, am I going to get jumped? Am I going to get beat up? Am I going to get shot? Like, what's going to happen? You know? Right. But when I'm sober, I'm having the time of my life. So, um, started drinking again and I would get really sloppy. And so my health just went straight freaking down. Um, started having anxiety attacks and panic attacks and uh, just kind of went downhill. And um, over the summer, it kind of just hit me that I was just like, I'm not doing this shit no more. Like, I'm tired of living my life like this. I, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired of doing it. I'm tired of doing it. Um, I got sober. Hardest thing I ever did. I got sober. I'm 190 something days, almost 200 days. Um, got sober. I got an awesome job, and you know, I, I started taking care of myself. I started prioritizing my health. I started doing things for myself. You know, I started taking care of me. I started taking care of Luke. I started loving yeah. Luke, and uh, from that, I finally found not only my voice, I found myself. I felt even more in love with music than I ever have in my entire life because now. It gave me such a drive and so much more of an effort to pursue music. And things just went straight up from there. And I've had some bumps every once in a while. I just quit nicotine. I'm like a week, uh, almost a week deep in, in nicotine. Yeah. You know, I got a little 0% nick here <laughs> uh, just for the hand and tend to mouth motion. But yeah, I don't do anything anymore. I don't do drugs. I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't need that in my life. Cause what has it ever done to me? You know, yeah. I want to, I want to be high on life. I want to be high in, in music and then myself and, and my faith and my family and friends. I want to really know what it feels like to just live life and be happy. So, um, where my EP comes into the picture. Sorry. I'm hanging. I, I get You're fine. Guard. Yeah. No, good. Um, my EP is just about that entire experience. Um, you know, and I'm very blessed and thankful to have had the amount of people I had a part of my project and some really sick artists. Like I got Sachi Six on there, super cool dude, crazy vocals on my song Bones. Mm -hmm. Bones is about just feeling like you're falling apart, man. You're decaying. It's a really deep, scary song that just it's just about it's about death, honestly. Yeah. Um, meet me where it's just you and me when nobody else is breathing. It's talking about me just laying in a grave you know, and um, feeling like there's no hope. And in the chorus at the end of the song, it's God, please save my soul. Like, God, please save my soul. Um, I'm lost to my suicidal conscience. Therapy is nothing. No one's helping me. My bones are fracturing. God, please save my soul. And it's just like, at this point, the pressure is so strong. I'm just about to break. Yeah. And um, it's just, it's a cry out. And I'm just begging God, like, please just Please help me. Please help me. Somebody help me. And I got Kerosene. Kerosene is a song um, with my buddy Cross Stitch and then Eric Jaffe, who played some um, lead solos on there on the song. Um, that song's just kind of, you know, it's another really deep, scary song, man. It's it's about what goes on up here in the, in the fire. And, um, man, it's it's that's a deep song. I think that's probably deeper than bones if, if I really think about it from a personal aspect. But 
You got uh, Where Are My Friends, and that's with All-Star Weekend's finest, Nathan Darmody, <laughs> one of my uh, really close friends and my mentor. Um, but that song's about leaving an old life behind and, and moving on and, and going through so much in your life. And you look back at the people that were a part of your life who are are still doing the same old things with the same old people and not doing anything with your life. So every time that you decide to take a trip back, it's never the same. So, yeah. you know, these, the roads, they don't feel like home anymore, driving through old neighborhoods and just having that feeling of, damn, I'm running from the place that I call home. Um, yeah. It's better off this way, but cigarettes can't take away the pain that I feel when I'm alone. So it's just like, where is home to me? You know, if if I keep leaving all these places that I call home, am I ever going to find a place to to be happy? And um, God save us all. It's the first song on the track. That's more of a of a positive, hopeful song. Um, I wanted to start that off just so I could to put it in a more psychological matter. What if you put a hopeful song at the end of a tra- of a project? But no, I wanted to switch it up because I wanted to prove that you can be, you can be so high up here in the world and then you yeah. can be right at rock bottom. And uh, yeah. I decided to end the EP off with a, with a deeper song because that's not where my story ends. So I wanted people yeah. to know that it's, it's okay to feel the way that you do, but God save us all. Um, it's really about how I found, how I found God and um, how, where I found my hope. And it's, at the beginning of the song, it starts off with destroy me. I'm drowning. I can't feel anything. At the end of the song, it's so save me from drowning. I feel everything. And your light surrounds me. And it's just, I, 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 I'm I, not a Christian artist. I'm not a Christian contemporary right. artist. I feel like when it comes to me, I mean, I want to make real music. And I want to, I want to put it out that there, that there is hope and hope comes from such a, place of love and um but yeah man that's that's my ep it's just about somebody who gave up yeah and uh no matter how high they were in life or where they were at they they gave up man and my story isn't over so i'm gonna leave that last song with a semicolon that um no matter what you go through no matter how how easy it is or how hard it gets you know depression and, and these types of things they they are very powerful but they're not strong enough to beat you um so yeah that's nothing ever after yeah that's awesome man and i think you know one of my favorite questions anytime a, an artist has a new project coming out artists love and hate it too so i get it if you get mad at me about this but it's a two-part question it's Sure. What song on the the EP do you think people are going to grab, and what one do you want them to pay attention to? One thing I think people are going to grab is "Where Are My Friends." Um, the amount of people that I've showed, even Stephanie as well. Um, actually, Stephanie liked Bones, so "Where Are My Friends" and Bones. I want people to grab Bones, but I think people are going to grab "Where Are My Friends" because not a lot of people like the heavier stuff. Um, there's only a certain audience where my friends is more of a acoustic pop punk, just fun pop rock song. That's, that's got that emotion there, but it also put out, puts out the energy like, okay, I could vibe with this. 
Yeah. Like this, this makes me feel emotional. Um, but damn bones is just depressing, man. It, that's a depressing ass song. And, uh, I feel like that's the deepest one besides kerosene, kerosene and bones are like part one and part two. They're basically the same song, just different tracks, but it's just like, when it comes to those two, I don't want people to, to grab it because I feel like those are things that people think about. And the, yeah. I think they, I, I feel like that's what people go through. I mean, that's what I go through. I mean, that shit's really, that cuts skin deep. And um, for somebody who, who hears like, damn, somebody else is going through this too. Like I'm not the only one that just proves that you're not alone. Yeah. So um, that, I really that reminds look- me of a, a meme that I saw years and years ago. And it was funny because like, I've always been kind of the musical black sheep of the family, right? Like yeah. I've always loved the pop punk or the metal cores and stuff like that. And most of the family was not, you know, they were like country fans and pop and whatever. But one of my aunts once said like almost verbatim to this meme that I've seen, she's like, I don't understand how you can listen to the music that you listen to. It's also angry. It's about people killing themselves this, that, and the other. And I'm like, but, but they're all still here, right? Like they're all going through the same thing that I'm going through. I can see that they've made it through. So, you know, those depressing songs, I think the reason that people latch onto them so much is because yeah, it's sad shit. It's deep shit. But if, if Luke can get through it, I'm going to fucking try to get through it because somebody else made it. So now I have a reason to keep moving forward. So like, you know, there's not, I'm sure there is, there's not many songs out there that get released after an artist's death that's about their death, right? Like the reason these depressing songs exist is because they've survived the situation they were in. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a big fan. Um, I think for me, cause I did get to, to check it out already. Uh, I think bones is definitely up there. Um, and I would say you're probably right. Where are my friends? I think is the one that when the EP fully drops is going to be the first one I send to people and be like, Hey, go check this out. Because I think it's the easiest for people to digest initially. Right. Like, first, correct. Oh, okay. That's, that's cool. Like I can, I can kind of fuck with this and then let them go down the, the rabbit the hole rabbit of your discography and go, Oh, okay. That got dark, but <laughs> I get it. So, um, yeah, I, I think you're onto something here though, Luke, in all honesty. And I, you know, I don't say that lightly because I've been doing this for, I just was talking to somebody the other day. This is officially my 20th year of music journalism. So like, that's awesome. Man. I, yeah, I've, I've seen some shit. So if I think that I'm, you know, I don't blow smoke up people's asses, you've got something here. It's just, it's going to take a little time obviously to, to develop, but I think you're on the right path with that. Thank you. Um, for the mental health side, the, the question that I really like to, to end with is thinking back across your life, right? If you could go back in time to one of your darkest moments, what does Luke now tell Luke at that point? And what advice could you give yourself? One thing I would, let's, let's start with the advice. Um, I think it's very obvious. Don't give up, but I think that's cliche. Um, I feel like that's what everybody would say. Um, 
I think to me, I would tell myself like, you know, it's okay. I'll just be real with myself. I know it fucking sucks, but like, stop being a pussy. Like you got so much life to live. And, and honestly, this life is, is so short compared to forever. Right. And if you, if you think about life, honestly, think about this, this whole thing being forever. And that's, that's your life. Yeah. So it's like in time. Yeah. So it's just like, you, you, you can do this, man. And uh, if I was to go back, I wouldn't change a thing. I would, I would go through all of it again because I wouldn't be where I am today um, if it wasn't for the things that I went through. And that's kind of scary to think about because, you know, God forbid I ever have to go through anything like that again. I, I pray and hope not. But, I mean, honestly, it's the truth. I wouldn't change a thing because if I, if, I, if I went back and changed one thing, I wouldn't be doing music. Right. You know? I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you, getting to share my story. So it sucks, but life, life sucks. Life's hard. Dying is so easy. And that's what's scary. Um, Cause it can be taken away from you in an instant. Yeah. And um, I would just tell myself to cherish those moments. Like just push, keep pushing, keep pushing. And for anybody else, who's going through any of that out there. Um, you know, I would say you're not alone. I mean, I think that's very obvious. Um, you got me, you know, there are people out there who love and care about you. But one thing I want you to tell yourself is you're still here. There's nothing, um, nothing you can't get through. Um, so just hold on to that strength. I know it fucking sucks. I know it hurts. Um, take it from somebody like me. You know, if I can do it, you can too. And uh, we'd love to. We'd love to see that. So, please don't take your life. Yeah, awesome, man. I think those are are great things to to reiterate because I think so often it is easy to get lost in those moments and forget that there are people around you. You know, there's there are people out there that care and it's going to sound really fucked up, but maybe some of those people you haven't even met yet. So that's another reason you need to hang on because the, you may not even know the person that's going to love you the most in your entire life yet. And yeah. finding that person is going to change everything for you. Um, and I think, you know, the other thing that I want to touch on that you said is, you know, as much as it does fucking suck all of the things that each individual person goes through makes you the person that you are and the butterfly effect is real and you know if you wouldn't have gotten in that car accident that night who knows what happens next right like it doesn't take much if you would have turned left instead of right that car accident never happens you never have the military to have to go to you know like it changes absolutely everything. Everything. And it it sounds kind of morbid, I guess. But like you have to appreciate the darkness in order to see the light. So appreciate all those battles that you've been through, 
all those shitty situations that you're in because that's what makes the next thing so beautiful. Yeah. Have you, uh, have you, have you listened to the intro? Yes. Yes, I have. <laughs> so that was a little bit of a nod to it. Um, <laughs> but I, I think, you know, I think it is important for people to, to recognize that too, yeah. because, you know, um, the old cliche saying it's, it's always darkest before the dawn, right? Like, there's a light on the horizon. You just have to stay long enough to see it. Yep. So awesome, man. I've really appreciated this conversation and and the vulnerability that you've shown and, and the depth of the conversation and your story. Um, obviously, I'll link all your socials and everything, but take the next few minutes, however long it takes you. Like, where can people find you? Where can they interact? What's the best way to, to connect with Luke? Um, so, um, I'm just going to sum it up because my social medias are really hard to explain. They're all the same name, but they are Luke Middleton, but instead of a U, it is a V because somebody else in the world decided to take Luke Middleton as a username and we can't use it the same. So apparently I switched it. Um, but if you are out there and you want to get to know a little bit more about myself, you can check out my website. It's lukemiddletonmusic.com. It's got all my social medias. It's got my merch website. It's got my bio. Um, it's got my social medias. That's kind of where everything's at. If you want to find me, and uh, yeah, awesome man. I'm stoked for you. Like I said, I I really believe in this project that you're working on. I think that there's there's kind of this refreshing depth, right? Like it's easy for people to write the surface level songs and be on the radio and do whatever, but to write something that is a so personal, but also in such a relatable way where other people can look at this and see pieces of themselves within the body of work is something special. Um, and I really think that that's where, where you're landing right now is creating this, this body of work, this piece of art that is going to um, cause those emotions to stir within people. And, Right. Maybe maybe allow them to reflect on their life a little bit and see some of that. Um, but I think more importantly, hopefully, it instills that little bit of hope, that spark for people to go, okay, I can take that next step. It's just one more step. Um, so yeah, man, I'm stoked for you. We're definitely going to stay in touch. We'll you know have Thank more you. of these conversations and and things like that. But um, you know. I think you're, you're killing it and hopefully people gravitate to this and um, it's nothing but up from here. Yes. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Luke, I appreciate your time. Um, I'll keep you posted. Normally this wouldn't go live this quick, but I think because the, uh, the EP comes out on Friday, I'm going to get this one edited and this Thanks. will go up Friday to, to match with the EP. So cool. Awesome. Luke, I appreciate it so much. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. We'll talk right. soon. Yes, sir. Peace, right. man. See it. And that was my conversation with Luke Middleton. Um, really hope you guys enjoyed that one. I think, you know, I often say that I want you guys to go check out these artists and that, you know, I think they're on the verge of something and, you know, kind of like I told Luke in that conversation, I've been doing this for right at about 20 years now. 
and um, it it's not something I throw around lightly. I've seen a lot. I've experienced a lot um, in the music industry and out. So uh, when I say that I believe in someone, it is 100% genuine. So definitely want you guys to go check Luke's stuff out. want to thank him again just for being so open and honest and, and vulnerable and um, delivering his message and allowing you guys to kind of take a peek at the story that he's experienced so far in life. Um, and, you know, hopefully within uh, some realm of reason, this connects with the right people. Um, we've all experienced some of these things that Luke has been through because they're just human things. And um, I just hope that this conversation with Luke maybe resonates with you and, and kind of helps you in whatever way it is that you need. So uh, as always, I'll obviously link all of Link Luke's socials. Um, be sure you go give him a like, share, subscribe, follow. Uh, let him know that you listen to this podcast. I know it is a little bit of a long one, but um, I, I know it would mean a lot to him to know that people... Uh, cared enough to listen to his story so definitely want you guys to do that um and yeah that's everything i've got for this particular episode uh there are several things that i am working on um i've got one that just got scheduled the other day that i don't want to leak too much information about yet because it's not being uh done the the interview doesn't take place for a few more weeks now but um potentially one of the coolest, uh, most influential guests, if you will, depending on the scene of music that you listen to, this person has definitely been uh, on your playlists. So really excited for that one. Um, tons of stuff going on over at You Make the Scene as well, so be sure you jump over there, give that a like, share, subscribe, and follow. Uh, hit us up on Instagram, leave a comment, let us know what you thought of this conversation with Luke. Um, and I am working on some merch designs that will be musicians for mental health uh, centric. So keep an eye out for those as well. Um, and yeah, that's everything I've got, guys. So as always, remember, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and you make the scene.